introduction the object and contents of the book of the dead by e a wallace budge this librivox recording is in the public domain introduction the object and contents of the book of the dead though the chapters of the book of the dead represent beliefs belonging to various periods of the long life of the egyptian nation and opinions held by several schools of thought in egypt the object of them all was to benefit the deceased they were intended to give him the power to have and to enjoy life everlasting to give him everything which he required in the life beyond the grave to ensure his victory over his foes to procure for him the power of going whithersoever he pleased and when and how he pleased to preserve the mummy intact and finally to enable his soul to enter into the bark of ra or into whatever abode of the blessed had been conceived of by him a perusal of the translations of the chapters will show the reader what their contents are but it will not be out of place here to group certain chapters which have a common object for the various beliefs which they represent then become more clear a certain number of the chapters of the book of the dead are hymns which are addressed either to ra or to osiris in the present work these are represented by the hymns from the papyri of ani kenna hu nefer and necht which i have called hymns introductory and to these we should add chapters one hundred and eighty two and one hundred and eighty three which are really hymns to osiris by thoth another collection of fine hymns is found in chapter fifteen where we have hymns to ra and osiris and a litany to osiris the papyrus of ani from which these are translated gives the oldest and most complete form of the chapter they are most important for they enable us to understand what attributes were ascribed to ra and it seems as if many of them were in later times transferred to osiris who was originally nothing but a god of the dead with these hymns should be mentioned the texts which accompany the judgment scene but these have already been described in the chapter on that subject given above and they are fully translated the judgment scene also leads us to the consideration of the one hundred and twenty-fifth chapter which is certainly one of the most important and interesting in the whole book it consists of three parts introduction negative confession and concluding text introduction was said by the deceased at the entrance to the hall of Dabba the negative confession was recited by him before the forty-two gods who sat in judgment upon him in this hall and the concluding text was uttered by him when he had passed the ordeal of judgment and was beginning his new life it is probable that these three texts were originally merely versions each of the other but in the eighteenth dynasty they are all copied together into papyri the deceased first asserted that he had not committed certain sins he next addressed forty-two gods by their names and declared before each that he had not committed the special sin which it was the duty of the god to punish and lastly he makes a third confession the first part of which is practically in the same words as a portion of the introduction 
the introduction provided the passwords which enabled him to enter the hall and the concluding text provided those which enabled him to go forth from it it is impossible to say when or how this beautiful chapter with its lofty conceptions of morality grew but although the form in which these are set forth is not older than the eighteenth dynasty the ideas themselves belong to a period which is as old as the rule of the kings of the third dynasty from the negative confession we see that the pious egyptian abhorred fraud theft deceit robbery with violence iniquity of every kind adultery unchastity and sins of wantonness manslaughter murder incitement to murder and that he delighted in showing he had wronged none in any way he neither purloined the things which belonged to his god nor did he slay the sacred animals he thought not lightly of the god of his city and he never cursed him he honoured his king and he neither wasted his neighbour's ploughed lands nor defiled his running stream he spake not haughtily he behaved not insolently he multiplied not his speech overmuch he abused no man he attacked no man he swore not at all he stirred not up strife he terrified no man he was not a man of wrath he spake evil of none and he never pried into matters to make mischief he judged not hastily he defrauded not his neighbour in the market he shut not his ears to the words of right and truth he sought not honours he never gave way to anger except for a proper cause and he sought not to enrich himself at the expense of his neighbours it is difficult to give the exact shades of meaning of many of the words in this confession but the general sense is thoroughly well made out the egyptian code of morals as may be seen from the one hundred and twenty-fifth chapter was the grandest and most comprehensive of those now known to have existed among the nations of antiquity the one hundred and tenth chapter which describes the employments and enjoyments of the deceased in the sekhet heptep and sekhet aru or elysian fields contains ideas of the greatest antiquity which date probably from the time when the system of village communities was in vogue in egypt the deceased ploughs sows and reaps and lives exactly the same kind of life as a farmer would live in the fertile lands of the delta and it would seem that he enjoys all the pleasures which a human being enjoys upon earth in the fifth chapter of the book of the dead the deceased found a text which would free him from certain agricultural labours which had to be done in the elysian fields but inasmuch as the work of watering and top-dressing the fields and sowing the crops had to be done by some one figures made in the form of the deceased and inscribed with his name were buried with the dead to toil for him such figures have often in their hands models of the basket in which the field labourer carried earth and the hoe with which he filled it and the text of the sixth chapter which was also inscribed upon them provided the deceased with substitutes to toil for him in the farms of the gods the reader will seek and seek in vain for many of the attributes of the prayers of christian nations and it is a noticeable fact that the egyptian had no conception of repentance at the judgment which took place in the hall of osiris he based his claim for admission into the kingdom of that god upon the fact that he had not committed certain sins and that he had feared god and honoured the king and had given bread to the hungry drink to the thirsty clothes to the naked and a boat to him that had suffered shipwreck on the nile 
his belief in the efficacy of works was great and when he had any doubt about their power to deliver him finally from the hosts of darkness he protected himself by means of amulets inscribed or plain and figures of gods painted upon his coffin and papyrus or cut in wood or on stones which possessed magical powers the chapters which refer to such amulets are numbers thirteen nineteen thirty b eighty nine one hundred one hundred and twenty five one hundred and thirty one hundred and thirty three one hundred and thirty four one hundred and thirty six a one hundred and thirty seven a one hundred and forty one hundred and forty four one hundred and fifty six one hundred and fifty seven one hundred and fifty eight one hundred and fifty nine one hundred sixty two one hundred and sixty three one hundred and sixty four one hundred and sixty five and one hundred and sixty six one of the most interesting chapters in the whole book is the seventeenth which contains a series of statements concerning the origin of the gods and the things of the next world to many of these statements more than one explanation of their meaning is appended and as these occur in copies of the chapter which are found inscribed upon coffins of the eleventh dynasty it is clear that already at that early date several opinions on these matters existed the views expressed in the chapter appear to be those of an ancient college of priests at heliopolis which became gradually adopted throughout egypt the vignettes which accompany the chapter in the best illuminated papyri are most elaborate and they show by their attention to detail that it formed one of the most important of the texts of this class which were copied for general use the sixty-fourth chapter was very highly esteemed and it was believed to be one of the oldest parts of the book of the dead already in the eleventh dynasty it existed in two versions one of which was thought to have been composed or edited in the first dynasty and the other in the fourth dynasty the longer version is entitled simply the chapter of coming forth by day in the underworld but the shorter is described as the chapter of knowing the chapters of coming forth by day in a single chapter whether we are to understand by the latter title that the chapter contained the essence of all the chapters of the book of the dead and that the deceased who was provided with it was as well protected as if he had copies of them all is not quite clear but it seems probable it will be noticed that several chapters are called chapters of coming forth by day and among them may be specially noticed chapters two and three which provide that the deceased may come forth in the underworld and live after he hath died even as doth raw day by day chapter sixty five which provides that the coup of the deceased shall live and shall inflict blows upon his enemy chapter sixty six which gives the deceased power to alight upon the forehead of ra chapter sixty eight which gives him mastery over everything which is in the underworld and enables him to journey about among the living chapters sixty nine seventy and seventy one wherein he identifies himself with osiris sa orion anubis horus and tem and declares his power over the winds of heaven chapter seventy two which enables him to come forth by day in all the forms which he pleaseth to take and to enter into an abode in the elysian fields where he shall be amply provided with wheat and barley and chapter one hundred and eighty 
which enables him to go about in the underworld with freedom of movement and to perform all the transformations of a living soul an important group of chapters referring to the transformations which a man may undergo if he pleases in the underworld is introduced by chapter seventy six wherein the deceased declares that he has been led unto the house of the king by the mantis or so-called praying insect these chapters enable him to transform himself into a hawk of gold chapter seventy seven into a divine hawk chapter seventy eight into the governor of the divine sovereign princes chapter seventy nine into the god who giveth light in the darkness chapter eighty into a lotus chapter eighty one a and chapter eighty one b into the god ptah and into a living being in anu chapter eighty two into a benu phoenix chapter eighty three into a heron chapter eighty four into a living soul chapter eighty five into a swallow chapter eighty six into the serpent sata chapter eighty seven and into a crocodile chapter eighty eight a considerable number of chapters refer as we should naturally expect to the preservation of the body of the deceased in the tomb and several were expressly written to give him power to resist the attacks of enemies and to obtain meat and drink and the power of motion in the underworld thus chapter one which is proved by its title and vignette to refer to the ceremonies which took place on the day of the funeral provides for the burial of the body in the proper way so that the deceased may go in after coming forth and chapters eight nine eleven twelve thirteen forty eight sixty seven one hundred and seven one hundred and eighteen one hundred and nineteen one hundred and twenty two one hundred and sixty one and one hundred and eighty enable him to make his way in the underworld without let or hindrance and to overcome his enemies the deceased wished to protect himself by means of magical formulae chapter twenty four provides these formulae for him and chapter thirty two gives him the power to keep hold of them chapters twenty one and twenty two give the deceased a mouth and chapter twenty three provides him with the power of opening it chapter twenty five gave him the faculty of remembering his name seven chapters twenty six through thirty b gave him a heart and provided him with prayers and formulae which prevented those who stole hearts from snatching it away from him and from driving it away from him when it was weighed in the judgment hall of osiris the crocodile which came to steal away the words of power and protection which the deceased had with him was repulsed by the words of chapter thirty one chapters thirty three thirty four thirty five thirty six thirty seven and thirty nine prevented him from being stung or bitten by snakes and serpents and did away with the power of the beetle apes shate to gnaw his body to pieces chapters thirty eight a and thirty eight b enabled him to escape from the deadly cobra and chapter forty delivered him from the power of the serpent who though he is here acting as the friend of horus by devouring the ass which typifies the fiend set is nevertheless to be feared 
in the underworld and the cities thereof punishment was inflicted on the dead and to provide the favourite of osiris with power to escape from stripes and wounds and decapitation at the deadly block chapters forty one forty two forty three and fifty were composed the deceased wished for a seat in the celestial anu heliopolis and this was given him by chapter seventy five and chapter forty seven prevented his throne and his habitation from being removed by any hostile being he sighed to have power over running water and to snuff the sweet breath of the north wind and these comforts were secured for him by chapters fifty four fifty five fifty six fifty seven fifty eight fifty nine sixty sixty one and sixty two the large number of chapters written for this purpose will show how great was the anxiety of the egyptian in this matter as fire and boiling water existed in the underworld he hastened to protect himself from burns or scalds by the use of chapters sixty three a and sixty three b proper food was as necessary to the ka or double of the deceased as fresh air and water and to ensure it against the need to eat filth and to drink dirty water chapters fifty two fifty three one hundred and five one hundred and ten one hundred and forty eight and one hundred and eighty nine were composed the idea of the ka being obliged to wander about starving and in search of food was so abhorrent to the pious egyptian that every text which could in any wise help to secure sufficient meat and drink for it was gladly copied over and over again the object of chapters four seventy four one hundred and seventeen one hundred and nineteen was to enable the deceased to walk about at will and to roam through re or the passages of the tomb and underworld and when his way was stopped by apep chapter seven enabled him to pass over the back of the fiend the union of the soul with the body was provided for by chapter eighty nine as was the escape of the soul and the shade from the bonds of the tomb by chapters ninety one and ninety two though the deceased had no wish to go to the east in the underworld see chapter ninety three he nevertheless wished to visit the celestial abydos a successful journey to this city was secured by the use of chapter one hundred and thirty eight in spite of the best efforts of the embalmers bodies sometimes rotted and perished in their tombs such calamities were averted by chapters forty five and forty six especially by chapter one hundred and fifty four which is one of the most interesting in the whole book overthrow in the underworld was averted by the use of chapter fifty one the wrath of the god was appeased by chapter fourteen and the danger of dying a second time was done away with by chapters forty four one hundred and seventy five and one hundred and seventy six the love of ritual and ceremony induced the egyptians to take special care about the arrangement of the mummy and coffin and funeral furniture in the mummy chamber and to make certain that all was properly done in this matter chapter one hundred and fifty one which consists of a view of the chamber and a group of short but important texts was composed 
the type of this chamber was of course the tomb of osiris the hall of osiris wherein the god dwelt with his princes could only be reached after certain doors and mansions and domains which were guarded by porters in the form of monsters had been successfully passed through by the deceased to enable the deceased to go through the seven mansions and the twenty-one pylons and the fifteen domains chapters one hundred and forty four one hundred and forty seven one hundred and forty nine and one hundred and fifty were written these provided the deceased with the names of the beings who were in charge of the doors and supplied him with the speeches which it was necessary that he should make during his journey in the underworld the deceased came to a huge river which he was obliged to cross to enable him to embark in the mystical boat every portion of which possessed a name which he was bound to know and be able to repeat he provided himself with chapters ninety eight and ninety nine but this boat only served to take him across the river and he longed to be able to embark in the boat of ra and to sit in its bows and to sail about with the god for ever this delight however could only be secured for him by means of chapters one hundred one hundred and one one hundred and two one hundred and thirty four one hundred and thirty six a and one hundred and thirty six b and as a result copies of most of these chapters exist in nearly all large papyri the egyptian believed that he would encounter the foes who attacked osiris in the underworld and that the calamities which befell the god would come upon him also he who delivered osiris out of all his troubles was thoth the scribe of the gods and to him were addressed chapters eighteen and twenty which secured for the deceased the protection and triumph which this god had secured for his brother osiris the favour of thoth was so necessary that four chapters ninety four ninety five ninety six ninety seven were written to instruct the deceased to make an offering of a palette and an ink jar to the god and how to become nigh unto him before the deceased could roam at will in the underworld it was necessary that he should know the deities of the chief cities of the four quarters of the land wherein he was chapters one hundred and seven and one hundred and eight enabled him to know the souls of amentet that is of the west chapter one hundred and nine enabled him to know the souls of the east chapter one hundred and twelve enabled him to know the souls of the city of pei in the north chapter one hundred and thirteen enabled him to know the souls of the city of nekem in the south chapter one hundred and fifteen enabled him to know the souls of anu and chapters one hundred and fourteen and one hundred and sixteen enabled him to know the souls of the city of kemenu hermopolis in the underworld the deceased was threatened by the danger of the snarer or fowler and his net and chapters one hundred and fifty three a and one hundred and fifty three b were written to enable him to escape from them two chapters one hundred and sixty nine and one hundred and seventy provided for the establishing of the funeral bed of the deceased two chapters one hundred and sixty eight a and one hundred and sixty eight b set out at length the libations which it was necessary for him to pour out chapter one hundred and twenty three gave him power to enter the great house chapters one hundred and twenty six one hundred and twenty seven one hundred and twenty eight one hundred and eighty five and one hundred and eighty six supplied him with the prayers which had to be said to the holy apes 
and to the gods who were the leaders and guides in the underworld and to osiris and hathor chapter one hundred and thirty two enabled him to go back to see his house chapter one hundred and fifty two gave him power to build a house upon earth chapter one hundred and seventy one provided him with the girdle of purity chapters one hundred and three one hundred and twenty four one hundred and thirty one and one hundred and eighty one gave him power to go in before the divine sovereign chiefs of osiris and to be nigh unto ra chapter one hundred and four gave him a seat among the great gods and chapter one hundred and eighty four brought him nigh unto osiris chapter one hundred and thirty which made perfect the coup was ordered to be recited on the birthday of osiris chapter one hundred and thirty three made the coup perfect before the great company of the gods chapter one hundred and thirty five which was to be recited on the day of the new moon gave the deceased power to become like unto thoth chapter one hundred and forty which was to be recited on the last day of the sixth month of the egyptian year enabled him to appear in glory before all the gods when the utchat or eye of ra was full and chapter one hundred and forty seven conferred upon him the power which the utchat possessed and enabled him to identify himself with it chapters one hundred and forty one and one hundred and forty two provided the text which a man was directed to recite for his father or for his son during the festival of amentet they made the deceased to be perfect with ra and with the gods and chapter one hundred and seventy three contained the addresses which horus made to his father osiris and which were also assumed to be made to the deceased by horus chapter one hundred and seventy two is a remarkable and beautiful composition in nine sections the contents of which were first made known in detail by m nabville in it the limbs of the deceased are described in highly poetical language and the comparisons at times resemble the descriptions of the limbs of the beloved one in the song of solomon four chapters one hundred and forty two one hundred and sixty three one hundred and sixty four and one hundred and sixty five have no equivalents in the recensions of the book of the dead older than the twenty sixth dynasty and as they contain foreign words and foreign ideas they are probably the work of non-egyptian authors each of them is followed by a long rubric which orders certain curious amulets to be made and the performance of ceremonies in chapters one hundred and seventy four and one hundred and seventy seven and one hundred and seventy eight we have extracts from the old heliopolitan recension of the book of the dead which was in use in the fifth and sixth dynasties and the comparison of the texts which thanks to m maspero we are now able to make is very instructive we can see how misunderstandings of the meaning of certain passages arose through the want of adequate determinatives and we can note how later copyists modified and adapted old texts to suit modern views thus in the passage from the text of unas we have a reference to the love-making of the deceased which is entirely omitted from the later copy of it given in the papyrus of neb seni and it seems as if the ideas expressed in it found no favour with the cultured mind of nebseni the great designer draughtsman and artist who was attached to the temple of ptah at memphis in a similar manner it will be noticed that most of the coarse expressions and ideas which are found in the religious books of the 
old period have no counterparts in the theban recension of the book of the dead it will be seen from the above brief summary that although the contents of the papyri containing the theban recension are miscellaneous there are references to other works connected with the burial of the dead from which no extracts are given among such may be specially mentioned the texts which are connected with the performance of the ceremony of opening the mouth but as it is impossible to give any adequate description of them in the space now left to me i refer the reader to my papyrus of ani End of introduction the object and contents of the book of the dead